Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hello and welcome back. Today's episode is going to focus on why I don't believe in forcing our kids to apologize. A few episodes ago, I talked about the process of rupture and repair in relationships. And specifically, the fact that ruptures, where we make mistakes and let each other down in relationships, are inevitable. We're human and we're going to do that. And that actually, when we repair those ruptures well, we leave the relationship even stronger than it was before the rupture. So it's actually a good thing that we make mistakes in relationships. It's a good thing that we make mistakes as parents. And it gives us this wonderful opportunity to model genuine repair with our kids. So. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend going back and listening because it provides a really good foundation for what we're going to talk about today. So this idea of forcing our kids to apologize, it's one of those things that we do as parents that comes from a really good place, right? It comes from this desire to teach our kids how to make things right when they mess up. It comes from this desire to have our kids do something in that moment. Right, So that we feel like there's these loose ends of them having made a mistake or hurt somebody are kind of tied up, right? We're trying to teach them life skills. I think that's where it comes from. I also think there's sort of a darker side to it, not darker, but a side to it that's a little less about the kids and a little more about us, right? I think there is social pressure to have your child apologize in front of, say, another parent on a play date or an extended family member, right? Who I think we often have these narratives in our head. We think these people are judging us. We think they're judging our parenting. And I would argue that a lot of the time they are not. <laughs> they, are, they, they don't care one way or the other, but we feel like they do. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes people do make comments and sometimes people are judging. So I want to just honor that. But I think a lot of the times we put that pressure on ourselves And we feel like if we're on a play date and our child hits another child, that we need to get our kid to apologize in that moment, lest we otherwise look like we don't care as a parent or that we're raising a quote unquote bad kid. You know, I don't believe in bad kids, but I think society kind of tells us, hey, kids are supposed to not do these behaviors. And when they do, they're supposed to apologize. And that's we feel pressure to get our kids to do that. So I think forcing kids to apologize comes from both of those places. I think it comes from the very well-intentioned desire to have a kid who knows how to make things right when they make a mistake. And I also think it comes from the social pressure of not wanting to look like you have a kid who just does what they want, right? And that you're not doing your job as a parent. So here's the thing with forcing kids to apologize, though. It doesn't actually do what we want it to do if we're hoping that it's going to teach our kids how to genuinely repair. And in fact, it actually totally gets in the way 
of our kids learning how to genuinely repair. So if your goal is to teach your child how to make things right, forcing apologies is actually doing the opposite. And I'm going to get into that. What it does do, um, it kind of puts a Band-Aid on these social pressure situations, sure, but it doesn't actually teach genuine repair. So I'm going to talk today about what to do to teach your child how to genuinely repair. And I'm also going to talk about what to do in those tricky moments where you are with your child on a play date or with other people or even just your child and their sibling or your child with you and you want something to be said about repair without forcing them to apologize. I'm going to tell you how to do that. So first, let's talk about what actually is repair, right? What does it mean to really apologize? I think, and I want you to think about the last time that you gave a genuine apology. And again, if you went back and listened to the episode on rupture and repair, you know that I'm not talking about saying, I'm really sorry, but you blah, 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 right? I'm not talking about an apology where you can't just own your stuff. I'm talking about being able to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm really sorry that I messed up. How can I make it better, right? That's, and, and not expecting anything in return, not even expecting them to necessarily feel a certain way, but just being able to give that to them. That is genuine repair. So think back to the last time that you engaged in genuine repair. What had to happen for you to get to that point? Were you immediately able to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry and I want to make that better? Or was there kind of a switch that needed to flip? Think about if you're in an argument with your partner and you both have valid points and maybe you say something you didn't mean and in the moment, you're not ready to apologize for that. Your body is still in that fight or flight, angry space, right? The space that led you to say the thing that caused the rupture in the first place. If you're still in that headspace, if you're still in that physiological state, you're not ready to give a genuine repair. What has to happen in order for you to feel ready for that? Well, maybe you need some time and space to cool off. You need to be able to calm your body, to calm your nervous system so that you're not still in that same state that led you to the rupture in the first place. You need some space and sort of a moment of like letting go of all of the tension that led you to that place, right? It feels like a switch flip sometimes, right? It's something that we can sense in ourselves. And then we know, you know what? I feel bad about that and I want to make it better. And that is the space we need to be in in order to engage in genuine repair. So when we force our kids to apologize before they're ready, when we force it in that moment, when we go to our kids and we say, say you're sorry, I don't care. Just go say you're sorry. You're not allowed to hit and you need to say you're sorry, right? When we say that to our kids, what we're teaching them is that the words, the sort of saying the words is more important than the feeling in their body of genuine remorse and a wish to repair the relationship. Now you might be listening to this and thinking, okay, but do kids really get to that point where they feel that genuine desire to make it better? They do. They do. I have seen it in my own kids, and I talk a lot about this in the episode on rupture and repair, but I have witnessed this genuine apology, this genuine 
ability to repair from my kids as young as two. So absolutely kids can get to that point. But I think a lot of times we don't give them that chance, right? We get in the way of that and we say, hey, go say you're sorry. Come on, just just go say you're sorry to your brother. That wasn't okay, right? And we teach them that who cares what your body's feeling, right? Just go say those words. And when we do that, we never give them the chance to feel that feeling in their bodies, that sense of, huh, I am calm now and I realized that I just kicked my mom and I feel kind of bad about that. So forcing apologies stops that entire process. It shortcuts it and it teaches them that, you know what, doesn't matter, just say the words. And that is going to lead them to have this superficial false sense of repair. This idea that if you just say sorry, that not only does it fix things, but that you kind of get something out of it too, right? You get this sort of like reward of, okay, you did the thing, check. And I think that leads kids as they grow to expect things in relationships that aren't something that is okay to expect, right? That they expect when they say those words, whether or not it was genuine, that whoever they're saying them to is immediately going to say, oh, okay, thank you. I feel better now, which we know is not reality. You can give the most genuine apology there is. And the other person might not be ready to hear it. The other person might not be ready to move on. And that is okay, right? Because that's not why we apologize. We apologize to do our part towards repair because we feel that we want to make things right. And the other person gets to take their own time in feeling ready to accept that. And so when we force our kids to apologize, we teach them to expect that it's this neat tied up with a bow little process. And that's just not a healthy thing to teach them to expect in relationships. So what do we do instead? Because I think it's really important that we don't just leave that moment hanging, right? Where our child hits their sibling and their sibling is crying and we just say nothing, right? That's not how this needs to work either. And I'm going to dive in. Siblings deserves more than just one episode. I want to do a whole series on sibling interactions. But suffice it to say that when we intervene with two kids, we want to come in as sort of an objective observer, which is hard when both of them are your kids, right? Especially when you watch one of your own children hit your other child or hurt your other child, that mama bear or papa bear can really come out. So if that's you, I feel you. I have been there so many times. But to the extent that we can, we really want to come in as an objective observer and kind of hold space for both kids, hold space for both the kid who's hurt and hold space for the kid who's struggling and who caused that hurt. And usually it's more complicated than that anyway, right? Usually there are two parts to be played. And sometimes we might walk in and see one child hurt another child, but there was something that led up to that, right? That there's both, there's two sides to every story, right? And that both realities are valid. So you might see your child hurt their sibling and you don't just want to leave that hanging in the air unrepaired, but you also don't want to force the child who hit to say they're sorry because that doesn't even do what we hope that it will do. So what do we do? Let's say that you do walk in and you watch one of your children hit the other and the other child is crying and upset. So you walk in and you say, oh my goodness, it looks like you had some really big feelings. So-and-so, I see that you're hurt. I get that. Gosh, 
I'm noticing that your sister is crying. It seems like she's really hurt. And then you can ask your child. You can say, I wonder what we can do to help sister feel better, right? At that point, your child might be ready to flip that switch and might say, I'm really sorry, right? But they might not. And I would say more often than not, they won't be ready to say, oh, I'm really sorry in that moment. But that's okay. We don't need them to say the words for the sake of saying the words. What we need them to see is the process of repair and what that looks like. So here's what I say to my kids. I'll say to the person who hit, I'll say, you know, I wonder what we can do to help this other person feel better. And if they say nothing or they're not ready or they're still angry or they're still struggling, I, if they're still in a place where they're like hitting and dysregulated, I will help them take a break. I will physically say, I'm going to help you. We're going to go take a break in this other room together. But assuming that they're calm enough to not still be hitting, I'll say something like, you know, I have a hard time sometimes finding my I'm sorry words too. I wonder if you would be okay if I shared those words for you right now. And then usually my child will say, okay. And then I'll say to the sibling who's hurting, I'll say, I'm really sorry. I didn't know a better way to handle my mad feelings and I hit you and that's not okay. How can I help? Right? And sometimes the other child will say, can I have a hug? Or they'll say, okay, thank you. Or whatever. Right? It doesn't entirely matter how the other child reacts or whether they're ready to receive that repair. What matters most is that you are modeling what that can look like. And then the other thing I'll say to my kids is, you know what? It's okay to take your time feeling ready to say those words yourself. I know you'll say them when you feel ready. And what that does is it empowers the child to trust their body and come back when they are ready. Sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. I'm encouraging you as a parent to trust the process, to trust that with enough modeling, your child will eventually be in a place where they're ready to come back later and do that genuine repair themselves. Or even sometimes in that moment, I have seen my kids after I give those words, they'll either say, yes, that is what I think. Thank you. Or they'll be able to kind of repeat them in a way that feels more genuine. What that does for your child outside of just modeling the process is it de-shames the situation, right? We're not over here saying, you just hit, that's not okay. Say you're sorry. We're holding space for the struggle. We're holding them accountable, right? But we're also de-shaming like, you know what? I feel this way when I make mistakes sometimes too. It can be really hard. Would it be okay if I shared those words for you? right? It takes the shame out of the situation. And sometimes taking the shame out of the situation is enough for our child to have that sort of light switch moment where their body relaxes enough to engage in that genuine repair. And that's why sometimes they can repeat the words or even say their own version right away. And sometimes they won't be ready. But again, that is okay. Because what you're doing is you are modeling what it looks like to engage in healthy repair. And also, it kind of relieves that social pressure. You're in that space on that play date. You're not just letting that 
behavior hang in the air. You're not just saying, well, whatever, it's fine, right? You're coming in and you're helping. You're coming in, you're modeling the repair. You're holding your child accountable. And if your child is in a space where they are still hitting or still dysregulated, you're going to take them for a break because that's the most loving thing you can do. And I'm going to talk a lot about that in another episode too. But in these moments, you're not just doing nothing. You're actually coming in and you're teaching and you're holding space for both kids. That's the best possible thing you can do. Not every parent is going to share that philosophy, but that's okay, right? They don't have to. They might not be in the same place on their journey to parent differently as you are. And that is 100% okay. You are doing right by not only your child, but also by their child, right? If this is somebody else's child that your child is struggling with. So that's what you do in the moment to really model that genuine repair. But the other really key element here is you modeling your own healthy repair in your relationship with your child. And I dive into this, I do a sort of a deep dive on this in the rupture and repair episode. But I just wanna remind you the power you hold in being able to come to your child after you yell, after you make a mistake, and to come and say to them, I'm really sorry that I yelled at you. It is never your fault when I make a mistake. It is never your fault when I yell. I'm going to work hard to do something different with my mad feelings next time, especially when you can do that and then not expect anything from your child in return. The more often you do that, you are showing your child not only the words to say, but what it feels like to get that repair. And what I have witnessed with my own kids is that they will come and give that genuine repair when they feel ready. And sometimes it's like the next day and they still can do it. And it's not every time and it's not perfectly, but I don't really care about that because what I know is that they have the skills to check in with their body, to know, huh, I messed up and I actually feel ready to try to make that better. I want to make that better because it's the right thing to do because I care about this other person, not because I need to say sorry to stay in my mom's good graces or I need to say sorry, I need to say sorry so that I get dessert tonight or I need to say sorry because that's what's expected of me. When they feel genuine repair modeled in the relationship with you, they learn how to do it for real. And for the right reasons. And isn't that what we really want? Because if we force our kids to apologize, we actually stop that entire process. We stop it in its tracks and we teach them that actually saying the words to appease somebody else is more important than doing the right thing. And that is not what we want. So your challenge this week is to see if there is a space where you can model that genuine repair in your relationship with your child. And if you find yourself pulled to get your child to say, I'm sorry in the moment, see if you can take a deep breath and remind yourself, my goal is genuine repair. And in order to teach that, I need to get out of the way. I can model, but that's it. The repair has to come from my child. So remind yourself how important it is and how your goal is genuine repair. So that's your challenge for this week. I so appreciate you listening and I will catch you next time. 
If your child's meltdowns are stressing you out, I've got you. My complete guide to meltdowns will walk you through exactly what's going on and how to help so that next time your child melts down, you can feel confident. Download your copy today for free at raiseresilient.com grow. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share this episode and leave a review. Let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we've got this.